All right, so here we are. Yes. Session two. Ready to continue the journey. Yes, yes. <laughs> so we talked about some of your childhood last time around, and we wanted to continue on that theme tonight. Yes, yes. I forget exactly where we stopped, but I think uh, I think I got to the point of, uh, let's see. I believe we ended at your your jobs at the bowling alley, for example, and going to the movie theater, and yes, you were yes. going to get into a little bit more of your childhood and, and your heritage. Yes, yes, so, okay. <laughs> ready when you are. I, I am ready. Okay, let's see. Well, some of this may be repetitious, but at any rate, uh, I, I think I mentioned before that Dad raised me and my sister uh, with help from an, an aunt, a uh, sister of his, my Aunt Frances. Um, oh, yeah, real, she, real quick, what, what were your parents' names? We didn't get into that. Oh, my parents, dad, or my dad's name was John. I'm a, I'm a junior, actually. He was John William Sr., and I'm John William Jr. Oh. And my mom's name was Teresa. Spelt with an H. <laughs> oh, see, I didn't. I didn't even know my mom was named after. Well, so sort of named yep. after her grandmother, or her. Yep, she was. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we just, yeah. Well, I mean, we picked a, we picked a particular saint, Saint Teresa, but she spelled it T E R, E S A. <laughs> right. So yeah, that that's their names. And again, like I say, my dad uh, is the one that raised us. He cooked meals for us. Uh, he was a meat and potatoes kind of guy. <laughs> So that's that's what I learned to eat actually all my life was meat, potatoes, and and some vegetable. That's a uh, that's a pretty healthy it, diet. Well, it is. It is. Although you know he he seldom made anything like casseroles or whatever. We just uh, straight, straight meat and and potatoes, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much for every every dinner meal. Uh, so which you know which I enjoyed. I mean I got to because he had a variety of meats. We had chicken, pork beef then then that one year that i spent living with my aunt sarah when my mom first got sick um, i got introduced to the internal organs of animals oh boy <laughs> the kidneys the liver the tongue the brains <laughs> all those really good tasty things right <laughs> most of which i hated but i ate them anyway <laughs> And I think I mentioned, you know, while my mom was in the hospital for 10 years, uh, Dad was very faithful in visiting with her uh, every week, although Clara and I, my sister and I, were not able to get into the hospital because of our age and because of the uh, uh, the, the disease that was, uh, what is it, <laughs> transmittable or whatever they call it. <laughs> Forgot the name of it. Contagious. At any rate, yeah, it was contagious, very contagious, and um, so we never really got to, to know my mom uh, until she got out of the hospital, and then it was mostly by by my going and visiting visiting with them on weekends and whatever. So now, when I think I mentioned uh, when my dad got a car, which was around 1950 or so, then he would start taking us out on Sundays, uh, maybe once a month to be able to see mom, but uh, we only got to see her from four stories down. She was up on a four-story window, and so we could walk over on the grass and wave hi to her and, and yell at her and so forth. Right. But, but for the most part, during that time that he was visiting, we'd go sit in the car and 
listen to the radio, usually a ball game or something like that in the summertime. But I did get to know my mom after, after uh, college by uh, going down there and visiting, um, not, not real often, but every couple of months or so anyway. And like I think I mentioned before, uh, during my time in college, she used to send me an occasional letter, you know, of encouragement and whatever, and also a little care package, which contained some food items, which uh, I desperately needed because we didn't, I didn't have much money and uh, I only had a five-day meal ticket. So I had, on weekends, I, I was pretty much left on my own <laughs> to find food. Did you, did you resume hard. your regimen of meat and potatoes on the weekends? <laughs> well, yeah, I was eager to, but I never really got a chance to do that. <laughs> so, at any rate, I did find out many things about my mom after I got to know her more, and that, that she was a very gentle soul, and learned a lot about the, the suffering that she had gone through, even though she didn't make a big deal of it. Uh, my dad used to fill me in on a lot of the details of the surgeries and, and a lot of the pain that she had to suffer. Uh, while she was in the hospital. The biggest pain, of course, was being without her children, uh, myself and my sister. <laughs> right. So that had to be the biggest thing. So at any rate, uh, I guess I'd like to switch over and move on to my grandparents real quick. Maybe I, there's some other things about mom and dad we might get back to. But yeah, we could now, we could circle back to your relationship with your father at some point. But yeah, please go, go on about your yeah. uh, grandparents. Yeah, so at any rate, the grandparents uh, on my dad's side, uh, my grandma, actually I knew her as Grandma Rosal, not Grandma Zmerk, because she had, her first husband, Philip Zmerk, had died when uh, my dad was about 12 years old. So I never got, never even met him. I, I hadn't been born yet. <laughs> my dad hadn't been married yet. <laughs> so she, she remarried, though, another man named Rosal, who also died, by the way, <laughs> oh, before geez. I got to meet him. Wow. But, uh, but she had five children by her first husband and two children by her second husband. And I'll, I'll maybe go into who those children were in, in a, a little, in a few minutes yeah. here. But uh, for now, just uh, to talk a little bit about my grandma, whom I did know, <laughs> I used to go over there with my dad and visit with, with her uh, pretty often. I, I'd say maybe once a month. Uh, we'd go over back over to Newport, Kentucky, where she lived. Uh, in fact, both grandmas lived over there, and they lived pretty close together, really. So we, you know, when we'd make a visit over there, we'd usually visit both of them, uh, not together, but separately. Uh, but she was a very kind old lady from Krakow, Poland. Um, that's where she grew up, and her first husband, my grandpa, uh, was from Poland also. Uh, they they both came over sometime in the early 1900s, although I tried to do a trace uh, of of all of the ships that pulled into Ellis Island around the early 1900s, and I could not find their name among them, <laughs> among the passenger lists. Where do you go but, to find those lists? Well, I went online somewhere. I got to it through uh, one of those uh, Ancestry.com things or something like that. They, they kind of lead you to, to search, you know, various things. One of them is, is old records uh, in the United States, the old uh, um, or the, the census records. You know, every 10 years, our government does a, 
a census. And uh, lo and behold, that's where I found one of the records. And the 1920 census included my grandma and my grandpa and my dad and his brothers and sisters <laughs> all listed there. Um, so at least I, I did. And it, it attributed both my grandfather and grandmother as coming from Poland. Uh, but I could not find any trace of exactly when they arrived. Although my dad knew that they came from Poland, <laughs> but he didn't know when, when they got here exactly. He wasn't born yet. <laughs> he, he was born in this country, actually near Clarksburg, Virginia. My dad was. Gotcha. I'm not sure how my grandpa and grandma got to Clarksburg, but uh, they migrated in inland from New York City area to... Uh, to West Virginia, and uh, lived there for a while, and then finally moved to Newport, Kentucky. So at any rate, my uh, my grandpa's Merck was an engineer. I uh, don't know exactly what kind of engineer. He worked in a, in a steel mill down there in Newport, Kentucky. My dad remembered that much. Uh, oh, in fact, nice. he remembered, yeah, he remembered, uh, of course, those were days when uh, steel mills and coal mines and whatever were known for, uh, you know, got workers going out on strike. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. So, some of those strikes got pretty violent. And in fact, uh, yeah, one of the strikes at my grandpa's steel mill was violent enough where he was actually killed during that strike. He was shot to death during the strike. Yeah, I think he was trying to cross the picket lines or something, and he got mixed in with the melee, and uh, so he, that's how he was, that's how he died. Wow during a strike. So at any rate, uh, my grandma married again and had, like I mentioned, had two more children. And one of the things I remember about her is that she really loved flowers. She had a very small backyard, but her whole backyard was covered with, with flowers that she liked to grow. Um, very colorful things too. I don't know. I, I never had a great appreciation for them, but you know, I remember that about her. So at any rate, um, she and my dad, when we would visit, they would speak Polish mostly because <laughs> she had learned the English language from her children. Uh, when she moved, she came here from Poland. She couldn't speak a word of English. Uh, my grandpa was able to pick up English a little better. Uh, I think part of that came in, in his training as an engineer. So I think he learned some of the English language while he was still in Poland. But, okay. uh, but she, she only picked it up as a result of having children and they brought it home from school you know they they had to speak english in school <laughs> yeah i think that's a common experience for first generation immigrants is that the children go to school and they pick up the language a lot more quickly than their parents oh yeah yeah so they you know when they came home they they started speaking english at home and for my grandma's benefit and she started picking it up although it was it was kind of rough <laughs> i do remember that I always had a hard time understanding her, not so much because of an accent, but because of uh, pronunciation of words and whatever, you know, I mean, she, she didn't get a lot of things right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but she was a really pleasant old lady, I'll tell you that. And she lived in, you know, very, uh, very simple circumstances. And, you know, she never had a whole lot uh, to live on and whatever, but, but she managed somehow. And like I say, when my grandpa died, the first, uh, her first husband, I, I think I remember my dad telling me at 12 years of age, he quit school 
and went to work to help support the family because <laughs> that was pretty much the only thing that she had. I mean, I, she didn't have any great uh, you know, monies that was left behind from her husband. So um, in those days, people didn't have 401ks and all that kind of stuff. Right. <laughs> I'm not even sure he had any life insurance, but so nonetheless, uh, they had to make do. And uh, so dad went to work. He was the oldest of her children at that time. And uh, so he, he went to work. He told me about some of the jobs he had, which really incredible. He used to sweep floors in, a, in, in bars and grills and things like that <laughs> for 10 cents an hour. <laughs> so how, how, did he, how did he end up getting into the uh, machinist work? Well, that, that came after he moved to Cincinnati, actually, after our family moved. Uh, like I say, when, when we first moved to Cincinnati, he had become a bartender by then. That was his his career path, so to speak, for a number of years. And he was a bartender uh, in Cincinnati for at least the first year or so that we lived there. But I think it was through meeting some uh, some men there uh, who did work at Cincinnati Millicon and said, you know, hey, by that time the in the early 40s, the war was, was winding up a lot and there, were, there was a great need for machinists, um, great need for a lot of people in, in factories because a lot of them are going, you know, joining the army and whatever. I mean, we had like half the half the male population was in the army and navy and air force and all that. And so, who the, those who were left behind, uh, many of them had to learn new trades. And that's what happened with my dad. He gave up bartending and went out and learned how to run an engine lathe, and he did that for many years. And then he finally retired in that job. Now he. As, as he worked there over, I think, 20-some years, 25, 30 years, they made him into a foreman. So he, he had a bunch of other guys working under him. But, but he was uh, very good with his hands. And uh, so that's, that's what put him in good stead there, I guess, to learn how to run machinery. Yeah. So, okay, switching over now to my other grandpa and grandma on my mother's side. Their na last name was Hannon, and they, they, although they did not personally come from Ireland, their ancestors did. I'm not sure, I never did trace back exactly which set of parents <laughs> came from Ireland, but somewhere back there, one or two generations before my mother uh, actually immigrated from Ireland. So that's, that's my heritage. I'm Polish and Irish. <laughs> Um, at any rate, uh, my grandpa Hannon, well, they lived in Newport, Kentucky also, like I mentioned, and uh, he died when I was pretty young. I was about probably five or six, maybe seven at the most. All I remember about him actually is seeing photos of me and him, me sitting on his lap, and he, I think they used to have a big old cat, and I had the, the cat on my lap, and I was sitting on grandpa's lap. But that's the only real memory I have of him. I, I do not remember anything about him personally. But my grandma Hannon, I remember a lot about because she lived close by to my other grandma and we, we would visit her a lot. Uh, she was the one that had the ice box. <laughs> Never did have a refrigerator, but uh, she, she died with an ice box. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if you ever heard the, uh, the song that, um, uh, oh, gee, I can't think of the guy's name now. 
Now they're saying Rocky Mountain High. What's this? Oh, uh, John, John Denver. John Denver. Yeah, yeah right. He he uh, he wrote a song called Grandma's Feather Bed. I don't know if you ever heard that song. It's kind of a humorous song. Yeah, I haven't but, heard that anyway. particular one. Okay, well it's a, it was a big old bed, and that's I remember my grandma had a big old bed of some kind. I I don't know whether it was a king size or what, but it was very big compared to any other bed that I knew of, and it was big and very high off the ground. And it was very soft, and I think it it was filled with feathers. I think right, right. <laughs> the mattress was <laughs> so, and I remember myself and my sister and various other uh, cousins and whatever would uh, would would play around on that bed. We didn't sleep there, but but we'd play on that bed and have a good time because it was really only a, only place to play in the house. Uh, there wasn't much floor space in her house. It was a very very tiny house that she lived in, but. Um, so at any rate, she also lived a very simple life, um, including using an icebox until the day she died. I, I don't know how she managed to do that, but she, but she did. She put up with all of the difficulties of life and, uh, and just kept going at it. So, okay, let me uh, shift gears here just a little bit. I, I took a look at some of the uh, questions that you asked on the second go around here. Yeah, sure. About... Um, Let's see, about, well, of course, my, my ethnic background is Polish and Irish uh, traditions that have been passed down in my family. I thought long and hard about that. And, you know, the only tradition I can remember that we had in our family was on New Year's Day, every New Year's Day, Dad served pork and sauerkraut. <laughs> huh. And I, that's kind of a German dish, actually, not a Polish dish. <laughs> but, but they're pretty close. <laughs> At any rate, uh, that's the only tradition that I remember. And in fact, my, my one daughter, uh, Paula, uh, they still carry that tradition on. In fact, they invite me every year up there for New Year's Day, Day dinner, including this year. Uh, and they have pork and kraut, <laughs> which I love. So, but that's the only thing I can remember. Uh, you asked about uh, who were my favorite relatives. Well, there were three of them that came to mind right away. Uh, my Aunt Sarah, who was my my mom's sister, uh, who I, I think I mentioned before, my sister and I went to live with her for about a year when my mom first got sick. So I spent, you know, a lot of time with, with Aunt Sarah. Got to know her very well. Of course, her husband, Stanley, too. He, he, was, a, <laughs> he was a kind old guy, but, but kind of a rough guy. You know, he, <laughs> one of the things he liked... He, he chewed tobacco, and he had this couple of spittoons around the house. Oh boy! Which <laughs> I I had to get used to that. I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah, you don't see too many of those these days. Uh, no, you don't. <laughs> I don't want to see any more of them either. <laughs> you certainly don't want to stare into the into the contents because <laughs> that's uh, all they do is spit into them, and it looks really awful. But I, I do remember that about Uncle Stanley. Uh, but my Aunt Sarah was a really, really a very fine, kind lady. But like I say, because they had very little to live on, they bought the cheapest cuts of meat they could find, and that was usually the internal organs. That's when I got introduced to delicacies like brains and kidneys and liver and, and, and tongue. <laughs> I didn't believe that you could eat tongue, but... <laughs> Yeah, but I where, did. Where there's a will, there's a way. <laughs> yeah, amen. 
Actually, the tongue was, of those four things, that was probably the best dish of all. It was kind of salty tasting, but, but it was actually pretty good. Huh. Uh, the brains came in second best, even though it, <laughs> they don't sound very good, but they were pretty good. The things I didn't like much at all was, was the uh, the kidneys and the liver. Yeah, well, they do a lot of they do a lot of filtering. I have to imagine they acquire <laughs> maybe some taste of what they filter. <laughs> over yeah, they time. probably do. <laughs> they probably do. So, but at any rate, um, so then among my other favorite relatives are uh, my cousin Tom, uh, Tom Matthews, who was my aunt Sarah's son. Her 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 husband's name was Stanley Matthews, and so my cousin Tom was a son of theirs. Okay. And I remember him well because uh, he was really not all that much older than me. He was probably maybe 10 years older than me at most. Um, so at, at any rate, it's, he's sort of in the category like uh, uh, Carson Gilbride and jo- Jojo Gilbride. You know, Joe is 10 years old and Carson's five. Right. And Carson is his uncle. <laughs> so you got to wonder what the heck. <laughs> So my, but my, this, this was a cousin, my, uh, my cousin Tom is, but he was very, very close in age. And one of the things he, he was a good baseball player. He played for uh, Newport Catholic high school in his teenage years. And when he graduated from high school, he tried out for the Detroit Tigers. And, um, oh, wow. He spent a couple of months with them during summer training or not summer training, whatever, spring training or something like that. And, um. He didn't make the team, but, but you know, he, he came pretty close. <laughs> so, uh, but nonetheless, he, he finally wandered off into some other, uh, other career path besides playing baseball, which is probably a good thing. People didn't make much money in those days playing baseball anyway. Uh. So, in fact, I, I'm not even sure what the salaries were, but many of them could, could barely make ends meet, you know, because <laughs> they, they traveled by bus. Uh, to all the various towns that they visited and so forth, and it was a, it was kind of a rough life, but nonetheless, uh, one of my other favorite relatives was another cousin named Stanley Zmerk. Um, he was my my uncle Ambrose. Uh, he was the son of my uncle Ambrose, who was my dad's brother, of course. Um, but Stanley and I spent a lot of time together, the, especially during that year that my sister and I spent in Newport, Kentucky. Um, I went to first grade with him. <laughs> we went to the same school together because they lived fairly close in, to my Aunt Sarah. And so um, we spent a lot of time together, and I, I had a lot of good times with him. He ended up going into the, to the grocery business. When he graduated from high school, uh, he didn't go to college. Uh, he just went to work at a grocery store and ended up being at, at a Kroger's, actually. Ended up being a, a store manager after many years. So, you know, in fact, that was the path a lot of my uh, uh, my friends in my neighborhood took. Uh, very few, I don't remember anybody in my neighborhood going to college. I think I was the only one uh, wow. of all my all my buddies, my childhood buddies. Um, during those, those times, especially the late 40s, early 50s, uh, people weren't really motivated to go to college much anyway because uh, there were, you know, a lot more... Uh, blue-collar jobs available, especially, you know, right after the war, there was still a lot of manufacturing going on oh, yeah. in this country. It was booming. And uh, 
yeah, I mean, we don't have manufacturing much anymore, but but then there was. And uh, so a lot of the buddies I had went through various trade schools. There were trade schools for mechanics, for plumbing and heating, for carpentry, you know, for all kinds of trades. And uh, that's what most of them did. You know, they'd go maybe to a year or two of some kind of a trade school and gain enough experience to be able to get a, a decent job. And then they just worked the rest of their life at that job, which was fine. <laughs> they enjoyed it. At least I assume they did. But, uh, but very few went to college. Let me see here. I'm, I'm trying to go down my list here of questions that I actually answered. Um, so, those, yeah, those were my favorite relatives. And I, like I say, I had a lot of good times with, uh, with my cousin Stanley uh, and with my cousin Tom, even though he was a bit older than I. Um, but now, one of the questions you asked me really stunned me. It said, do you remember any of the stories people used to tell? And I thought and thought and thought about that. I couldn't remember anything about any of our family telling stories. I mean, it just, they just didn't come to me. So there probably were some stories, but I don't remember any of them. On the other hand, <laughs> the next question had to do with uh, uh, jokes and songs. Well, I don't remember any jokes from those days, but I do remember songs because my dad used to like to sing. I mean, he just he didn't have that great of a singing voice, but he loved using it anyway. <laughs> and he'd walk around the house just like I do sometimes, uh, you oh, know, yeah. just, just singing various songs and. Some of the songs he would sing would be like Down in the Valley, which you probably never even heard of. <laughs> My Old Kentucky Home, which yeah. you probably never heard of. How about the Beer Barrel Polka? Did you ever hear that one? <laughs> that was a, that no, was, that was a good Polish song. <laughs> it's got some tricky uh, words to it and a real, real lively tune. Uh, then there was another one that became famous during the war years, Let Me Call You Sweetheart. Uh, it was kind of a love song kind of a thing, you know, but I remember dad just belting that out and, and I learned how to sing that one too. All, all these songs I knew by heart, <laughs> a bunch of other ones too. I mean, things that he just picked up and, and then I, I would start singing them too, cause I liked singing and, uh, and I, I never did carry that on. I mean, I never got to be a part of a choir or anything like that, but, but I always enjoyed singing. And I think I, I got that mostly from my dad, because he liked that too. He also uh, taught himself how to play guitar, or not guitar, but uh, harmonica. And of course, you can't sing while you're playing a harmonica. <laughs> very, not very, very well, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to do one or the other. But, um, but he liked playing the harmonica, and I, I even picked that up from him too, just the, the desire to do it. You know, I, I bought a harmonica when I was very young, and... And I learned how to play by ear. And I, I can't read a note of music, you know, but I, I can pick up a harmonica and start playing some of these old songs uh, oh. as long as the notes are there. You know, the, the problem with harmonicas is they don't have all of the, the sharps and the flats in them. <laughs> so, right. you know, you can't play some songs that have sharps and flats in them. You have to kind of skip over those notes. But um, But I learned how to do that too, but... Uh, I haven't played a harmonica in, in many years now, but I used to. I used to really enjoy doing it. Uh, it's a nice, neat thing you can take on vacation with you. Just stick it in your pocket, you know, and whenever you want to play it, you just take it out and start playing. 
So I always enjoyed that. Um, okay, one, one of the things uh, you asked was uh, where, where mom and dad's families were from and have I ever been there? Uh, and yes, uh, I never went to Ireland yet. Uh, mostly because I'm not sure exactly what part of Ireland uh, my mom's family was from. <laughs> but I know where my dad's family was from. Uh, like I say, my, my grandmother grew up as a young girl in Krakow. And um, uh, in 2006, in fact, you may remember this, your brother Dan and I went on a 10-day pilgrimage to Poland. Yeah, I and, remember. Uh, and so we, we got to travel all over the country and see pretty much everything there was to see. Uh, and it, one thing that really struck me about Poland was that it's a beautiful country. You know, I, I really expected it to be black and white, so to speak. You know, just, just yeah. a dull, uh, old, old beat-up country. And I think I, re I thought of it that way because of, it got torn apart and nearly destroyed during the war. Uh, many of the major cities, including the capital city, Warsaw, uh, were just nearly flattened to the ground. I mean, all, there was hardly any building standing in Warsaw. I, I saw photographs while I was there. They had a whole series of photographs in, in various other places, even the motels that I stayed in, uh, showing some of the history of Warsaw during the war. And I, mean, and I stood out on those, some of those streets where, you know, 40 years before that or so, uh, stood nothing but piles of rubble. I mean, just none of the buildings were standing. But now it's been totally rebuilt from the ground up. You know, the, the whole city of Warsaw has, and all the other uh, cities that got torn apart by the war. But I think I had that image in my mind when I went there that, you know, this, is a, this was a war-torn country. And uh, I, just, I just pictured it as being dilapidated and all beat up, and, and it wasn't at all. Of course, the cities were all brand new, you know, because they had been rebuilt from the ground up. And so, like, Warsaw had mostly new buildings. They didn't have anything that was 50 or 100 years old because all those buildings had gotten blown up. But now they had most of the buildings there had been built since 1945. Uh, and so... Uh, it was, it was a fresh-looking city, and the countryside was just gorgeous. I mean, you know, beautiful, lots of trees and greens and whatever. And the southern part of Poland, there's, there's a whole mountain range down there. Uh, in fact, that, that was one of the interesting parts of the, the pilgrimage. We, we were actually stopping at all the, the significant spots that Pope John Paul II uh, was famous for, if you will, places that, that he visited, the place where he was born and grew up and so forth. But he used to go skiing on those mountains down in southern Poland, uh, along with a bunch of teenagers that he would take with him. He, he was big on, on youth at, in those days uh, when he was the Pope. And uh, so he used to go skiing, and we, we walked up one of the ski trails. Of course, it was, there was no snow on the, on the trail, but we walked up that and took some photographs of the of the, uh, the mountain that he used to ski on. And we got to see uh, most every, every other place that he, he experienced life. Uh, uh, the, like I say, the mountains, we visited uh, my grandmother's hometown in Krakow. Uh, and Krakow was an interesting city because it had a, uh, a, a big central city square, if you will, a, kind of a big open square 
with buildings all around it, but it was, uh, I, I would guess, it was something like three or four blocks wide and maybe six or eight blocks long, just an open space. It was all paved. Hmm. <laughs> it wasn't like Central Park, but, uh, right. but it was surrounded by buildings and, uh, and there was a lot of benches and various you know, other little things, little uh, vendors and whatever. Uh, and it was a place where the people of the city gathered and I learned, you know, talking to some of the locals there that it had always been that way, you know, that, that people for many centuries uh, would gather there in that city or that, that, uh, that town square and uh, enjoy themselves together. And so, I, you know, I have no idea exactly where my grandmother might have sat, but I sat on some of the benches that I think she probably sat on when she was a little girl. Wow. So I thought that was... Uh, you know, that, to me, that was kind of an important thing to not not relive that past, but at least uh, experience a little bit of the surroundings of what she experienced. Um, and that was the first time I'd ever got the chance to do that. So I thought it was great. The other thing I noticed in Poland was there are a lot of churches. <laughs> Lord, I'll tell you, they have more churches there than we have in the United States, I think. It's a, and it's really? a small country. <laughs> yeah, we visited a whole lot of them, too, because... Um, Part of that pilgrimage was uh, essentially going to each one of the churches where John Paul II had had some role in, in play to play there. Uh, one, of course, was where he was baptized. We got to visit the very baptismal font that he was baptized in. Um, and right next door to that church was uh, the school that he attended. And next door on the other side of that church was the house that he that he grew up in. <laughs> So it was, that was kind of an interesting part of the tour. Uh, we also visited a church where, I don't know if you've heard of uh, St. Faustina Kowalska. She, she was the one that had the, uh, the vision of divine mercy. Um, it rings a yeah, bell. At any rate, yeah, she was a, she's a pretty famous saint. And, um, and she, there, there was a church that she attended, actually, as a youngster, and where she first saw this vision. Of, uh, of Christ with the, you know, the, uh, the rays of red and white light coming from his heart. And it was, and the message had to do with his mercy, you know, the divine mercy. Uh, there was a whole uh, devotion that's, that's uh, attributed to her as a result of that. So we got to visit that. And we also, the house that she grew up in was right around the corner from the church. <laughs> so we got to see where she slept and where she ate and so forth. It was something. And uh, like I said, we visited Warsaw. That's where we flew into, actually, and spent a couple of nights there. Uh, Dan and I, in fact, had, we had dinner there one night at, um, oh, let's see, what was it? Uh, it, was, it was a restaurant that was, that's very popular here in the States. Um, can't remember which one it was now. Uh, like a fast food or no it was it was more of a you know something like a bob evans um you know it not not a uh not a swanky place but uh but not sure like a maybe a cracker barrel or an yeah something like that (laughs) but i i don't remember what the name of the maybe he remembers (laughs) but in any event we got to eat dinner there at, at one of those restaurants and uh and we got to to see how that city uh, had gotten rebuilt. I mean, there were, there were some um, uh, photographs and so forth of the construction going on. 
Uh, there was some like maps and so forth, layouts of, of how they rebuilt the city. And uh, so it, it was pretty interesting to me. I mean, I'm into construction anyway, so, so it would kind of, kind of, yeah, it kind of pumped me up. The other thing we got to visit, which wasn't as pleasant, was uh, we visited two death camps, uh, the, the uh, Nazi death camps. One of them was at, Oof. One at Auschwitz, which you probably heard of. Uh, maybe you haven't heard of Auschwitz. Oh, oh I've, <laughs> yeah, yes, I'm well okay. aware. And then right nearby, about a couple, three miles away, is another one called Birkenau. Um, in fact, uh, the building that, as you enter Birkenau, there's railroad tracks leading to that building. And um, that building was used in the movie The Nuremberg Trials, if you remember that movie or remember hearing about it. Mm. Uh, I've heard of the trials. I don't know if I heard of the oh, movie. Oh, okay. There was a movie made about that. It's a real long movie. Kind of interesting, but, you know, it can be boring to people who aren't interested in that kind of thing. But nonetheless, uh, sure. they they used that uh, death camp entry at Birkenau uh, in, in the movie. Uh, it had some impact anyway, because that's what the Nuremberg trials were all about, was the Nazis killing off people they didn't particularly care for, <laughs> which right. had mostly Jewish people and, uh, and Polish people. A lot of Pol Poles died in, in some of those camps. So let me see here. What else did I want to... That's all I wrote down. I'm trying to... Oh, I looked at... Uh, I made up a little timeline for myself here so I can... <laughs> for when I was growing up. Just because sure. it's hard to remember exactly what year certain things happened in. So I put down what year I was in first grade and second grade and so forth. Because <laughs> I, I went to different schools at, on those different times. Um, let's see. Now, I don't know if I mentioned it during the, the last session, but uh, in the summer of 1954, uh, that was between my freshman and sophomore years in college, um, that's when my dad started building the house that they eventually lived in. Uh, it's a three-bedroom ranch, uh, and neither one of us had had any experience whatsoever building a house. We had—I don't know why wow. how he got the idea that that he could build a house. <laughs> that's that's pretty ambitious. It sure is. <laughs> so, but he relied on me. <laughs> he said. He asked me to go read some books on how to build a house. <laughs> so I, I did. I'll tell you, I, I dug into a bunch of building type books, you know, that talked about construction, how you build a footer and a foundation wall and how you put flooring in and how you how you uh, lay up the, the walls of the house and so forth. And, I mean, <laughs> so I, I got pretty, um, pretty educated on how to build a house, at least a certain type of house. And... Um, and we tried to follow those plans. Now, we, we had a set of plans to go by. Uh, we, we had to buy those because, you know, if you're just working from memory, that you're not going to be able to do it. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> but uh, but there were a number of interesting things that happened during the building of that house. The, the first of which was when the, one of the first weekends we got out there that summer. Uh, we, had to, we had to dig a driveway from the street back to where the house was going to be. Uh, didn't have to dig very deep, just uh, maybe a foot deep or something like that. But you have, we had to level it off uh, to go from the street, you know, back to uh, to where the garage was going to be. Right. And uh, we started doing that with 
wheelbarrows and shovels and picks. Wow. <laughs> well, I think we spent, we spent the, almost the whole first weekend, all day Saturday and most of Sunday, digging away and digging away. <laughs> wow. And we got about, well, the, the driveway ended up being about, uh, I'm guessing about 90 feet long, 80 or 90 feet long. Oh, my God. Back to the house. And uh, we got about halfway. <laughs> and I, I still remember to this day, my dad throwing down the shovel and saying, to hell with this. <laughs> he, he got a telephone. He called some guy with a bulldozer. <laughs> After you were already halfway there. After we were halfway. Well, we, had, we still had to do the rest of the driveway. And then when we got to where the garage was going to be, we had to start digging the, the foundation, the footer, if you will. And, I mean, that's a, a much bigger job. Plus, we had to dig a big hole for the cistern. Uh, there was no, uh, he, he didn't want to dig a well out there. He, he decided he was going to use rainwater. So that we came down off of our roof and we would filter it, run it through a filter box and into a cistern, an underground cistern, which is just a big concrete vault uh, about roughly 10 feet wide, 15 feet long, and about six feet deep. <laughs> And yeah. you would just you would fill that with water, and that'd be your drinking water. You'd pump it out of there. Well, we had to dig that hole. <laughs> right. Oh, wow. And then, you know, we were thinking about that as as we were digging this little shallow path from the drive from the street right. back to if, the to the garage area. Feet, if digging one foot deep is that difficult, imagine the cistern <laughs> hole. Yeah. Right. We. I think that's that's what finally got to Dad. He just decided to heck with this. We're we're gonna get a bulldozer. Well, some guy came out there with a bulldozer. I think the very, very next weekend. And he bulldozed the whole thing in about four hours, <laughs> yeah. including the scraping the ground where the, where the house was going to be. You know, you had, you had to dig down a little bit for a, a crawl space and then had to dig a trench, if you will, for the footer. Uh, you're not, you probably aren't familiar with how houses get built, but <laughs> not, not particularly, no. <laughs> so at any rate, there was a lot of digging that had to be done and he did it all in, in just a short time. So, that was a good investment of, yeah, of money. But Dad was trying to do it on the cheap. I mean, he didn't have a whole lot of money, so he had to you know, pay for it as he went. Um, and so one of the other ways that he had of saving money on this project was uh, he wanted to build it out of brick, by the way. It was going to be a brick veneer house, a brick and block. It was, you know, used a brick on the outside and backed up by uh, these four-inch thick uh, cement blocks. Gotcha. Uh, but you had to lay those with, you know, with mortar in between all the joints. <laughs> and we had to pour the footer, which was all concrete, all the way around the perimeter of the house. So Dad decided that rather than get ready-mix concrete, you know, like a big truck comes out there and they just they dump it all and they pour it all in a couple of hours' time, he decided he would mix all that concrete himself. <laughs> Oh, geez. So he, he bought an electric drive concrete mixer <laughs> when he's small was. It had a couple wheels on it and a handle so you could roll it around various places. But it only oh, wow. mixed about, I don't know, three or four cubic feet of, of concrete at a time. You know, you, you had to put sand, gravel, uh, cement, and water into this thing and let it grind for a few minutes. And then you dump it, you know, and you just do that one one load after another. <laughs> oh, geez. We, we spent... A whole weekend pouring the footer on that house. I mean, <laughs> continuous pouring on all day Saturday, and then we we got up Sunday morning and continued and poured all day Sunday. 
just to get the footer poured for this thing. So that was another thing that got to me. I thought, you know, it would have been a lot better to just get a concrete yeah, truck out there. Yeah, maybe a professional. <laughs> <laughs> Although, well, you know, that meant you had to pay for the concrete. <laughs> he thought buying sand, gravel, and cement and mixing it together yourself was a lot cheaper. Well, yeah. I don't know how much cheaper it was, but we had a lot of fun doing it, and I, I got worn out. I remember that. Um, so that, that was a kind of an exciting time in my life, that, that summer, helping him build that house. We, we didn't get it all built that summer. We got it under roof, though. Uh, we got the foundation in, the walls up, and uh, got the roof on, um, which amazed me. I didn't think we could get that much done. <laughs> and about how old were you? Well, see, I was, well, I was 16 then. <laughs> okay. So that summer. So yeah. that was that was a summer home from college. Right, right. Okay. 1954. <laughs> so, yeah, I turned 17 that following October. <laughs> but Dad finished the house then by himself because I didn't, I didn't come back there and help him anymore. I, I was going to school. Uh, right. Now, occasionally he would, uh, he'd get his brother, one of my uncles, uh, my Uncle Paul, would come out there and help him uh, once in a while. And uh, occasionally there'd be a friend or somebody, you know, would come out and give him a hand. But for the most part, he, he essentially built the rest of that house himself. <laughs> and I have no idea how he managed to do that. <laughs> it was a monstrous project. But he did it. I think it took him a little over two years, actually, to, fi to finish off the house so he could move into it. And, uh, but he got it done... All, not quite in time for when my mom uh, got out of the hospital. She had to live in our house in Cincinnati for about a year uh, until he finished up that the new house. But uh, but she enjoyed being able to move into a brand new home, <laughs> even though it was way out in the country, not near anybody or anything. I'll tell you, it was out in the sticks. So uh, let me see. Uh, so here. getting getting into the fifties, do you have any photos from that time in your life? Uh, you know, I don't. I was, I'm trying to scour my memory about anything that I might have, uh, any information, you know, printed or photographic or whatever. Um, my dad had some photo albums, which when he died, went to my uh, stepbrother. Uh, uh, and I, and then when, when my stepbrother died, they, they got passed on to somebody else. I mean, <laughs> somebody else in right. the family, and I never did yeah. get them. I, I remember asking one of my cousins that I think who inherited those photo albums um, if I could get those, you know, because I, I, uh, I would treasure them. But uh, whoever, whatever cousin that was, though, they, they wanted to treasure them themselves. <laughs> right. Are, are any of your step-siblings still alive? Uh, yeah, actually. Um, I'm trying to think now. Um, let's see. Well, I have. I have you, two. you said there were five of them. Well, there there were. Uh, oh, oh, you're talking about uncle, uncles and aunts. Oh, those would be uncles and aunts here. Yeah. I'm yeah. Sorry, my I was... my dad's brothers and sisters were my uncles and aunts. Yeah. Uh, okay. And some of them had children, though. That you know, it would be my cousins. <laughs> and it was it was cousins really that uh, that scooped up his photographic albums and so forth well so you had one you had one sister you had one sister how many step siblings did you have uh well <laughs> let's see <laughs> um 
I guess I had six. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, because uh, my stepmother had six children, and um, the youngest of whom was his name was Eddie, and he was he was just kind of a teenager when my dad married my stepmother. You know, okay. Uh, so, but and he was the youngest of the bunch, but so he was the, probably the maybe little, ten years younger than you or so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Easily that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Eddie was more, uh, I mean, I don't know, I guess you'd say he was more like a nephew than he was <laughs> a brother, but, but right. rel, you know, relative-wise, he was a stepbrother of mine because he was my stepmother's son. <laughs> Do you, are, are you still in contact with him or any of your other uh, oh, no, steps? He, Eddie died, uh, oh golly, I don't know, six, eight years ago, something like that. Okay. Yeah, and in fact, most of... Most of my stepbrothers and sisters, I'm thinking, I think they're, well, no, I think there's at least one or two of them. Rosalie is a stepsister. I think she's still alive. Actually, your mom knows a couple of them. She she knows Rosalie. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. She would remember Rosalie. Rosalie happened to be married, by the way, to a guy named uh, Willie Bell, who happened to used to play for the Harlem Globetrotters. Basketball no way. Team. <laughs> <Yes>. No way. <laughs> yep, I I met him. <laughs> really? Spent a lot of time with uh, with Willie. <laughs> wow. He was quite a guy too. But no, I mean by the time I met him, he had long since hung up his basketball shoes and all that, but 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 he had yeah, I think in the uh, early 50s or something like that or mid 50s, uh, he played basketball for the Globetrotters. <laughs> so he was a big black guy. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's one of the uh, step people that I have in my family. Huh. I'm not sure how I'm related to him though, because he it was a stepsister that married him. So I'm not sure what that makes me to him. <laughs> I never can figure out these relationships. Yeah, yeah. But then um, I think I'm trying to think if any of the other stepbrothers or sisters are still alive. I think. Um, well, I, I'm pretty sure the one other stepbrother, Bob, um, Bob Lucky is his name. Lucky was my stepmother's um, married name. Her first first husband's name was was Lucky, uh, L-U-C-K-E-Y. <laughs> and I, I, but I remember the connection because Bob Lucky, her son, who who married, um, I forget what her name was now, but really nice lady. But the, he won the uh, the Ohio lottery back way back years ago when it was maybe like half a million or a million dollars somewhere in that range, you know, it wasn't a whole lot, but it was a lot of money then. <laughs> but he he won the won that lottery. <laughs> uh, there were a lot of people in the family who were trying to get some of it for themselves, but I don't think they ever gave it up. Like they used it, invested it, and so forth. Uh, and I think Bob Lucky is still alive, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, again, your your mom might know of them because um, the the Luckies. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. I remember her talking. I think it was a Tina Lucky. I want to say. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. T right. Um, I don't remember the relationship though. Well, yeah. See, the Tina and Robin. Those are the two. They were two sisters. 
They okay. were uh, granddaughters of my stepmom. <laughs> gotcha. But this gets complicated because my dad and my stepmom ultimately adopted Tina and Robin. Oh. So, so they, they became essentially my stepsisters. <laughs> Quite the family tree. Yeah, right. They used to be my, uh, uh, I guess, nieces <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> right. I don't know. Who knows? Uh, but they became uh, stepsisters. <laughs> and Tina and, and Robin, uh, treat, your mom, Teresa, knows. Uh, in fact, I think she might have gone to one of their weddings with me. I, I'm trying to remember which which one got married that I went to. <laughs> but I, I believe uh, your mom accompanied me to uh, one of their weddings. She, I think she has kept in touch occasionally with Tina and Robin, though. Uh, they, they've gotten married since, and they, they changed their last name. It's no longer Lucky. <laughs> well, I, actually, when they got adopted by my dad and my stepmom, they didn't change their names as Merck. Uh, hmm. they, they kept their original name of Lucky, because that's what it had been. Because their, their right. father was a, a ne'er-do-well, a guy who, oh. Oh, yeah, I mean, he, he, <laughs> he had quite a, quite a history. He spent several years in the state penitentiary down here in, uh, in Ohio, uh, mid, midway down the I-71 with the- uh, Mansfield? Yeah, that's it. Mansfield Reformatory. <laughs> he spent several years in there for armed robbery. <laughs> that's the uh, that's the place for, uh, that they filmed the Shawshank Redemption. Right? Exactly. Yep. Yep. So yeah, but at any rate, uh, my stepbrother spent time there, <laughs> and he had two daughters and a son. The two daughters were Tina and Robin, and the son was was uh, was Joe, and. Joe ended up with Bob Lucky and his wife. They they took him in, and um, the girls uh, were were taken in by my stepmother and my my dad. <laughs> when when their when their father you know kind of left home. I mean, <laughs> unannounced. But right, yeah, they had a tough life. They really had a tough life. Yeah. So I think. Yeah, have uh, have you had dinner yet? No, I haven't. <laughs> oh boy, well, I I'm probably ready. ought to let I'm, you go. I, we're running a little later than planned. Yeah, here. that's true. Sorry about yeah, the mix-up. I was thinking on. about seven o'clock or so, and it is <laughs> yeah. about seven fifteen now almost. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, so, uh, I will um, I will shoot you an email with a few more topics uh, to cover, and we'll see if we can reconvene here uh, in yeah. the next week or so. Right. Right. Hey, by the way, I I warned uh, Leonard. Uh, your grandpa Giorgio. Oh yeah. <laughs> Last night when I saw him at dinner, I said, "Hey, by the way, Tom's going to be contacting you, and you better start trying to think of what your childhood was like." <laughs> oh man, I don't think his memory goes back that far. <laughs> no, I don't. Uh, yeah, his. Uh, I don't know that his memory is as good as yours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he keeps bringing up the same things over and over again about oh, you know, yeah. some, got, some things your dad same... used to do. <laughs> Yeah, he's got the same five stories because those are the only five he can remember anymore. <laughs> yeah, he's quite a guy, quite a guy. Oh, yeah. But in any event, um, I, I cautioned him that he better start thinking about his childhood. Right. Because <laughs> he's got to answer some questions. We'll, we'll, have to, we'll just have to pick up from his 40s based on uh, how far his memory might go back. <laughs> yeah, right, right. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, listen, I appreciate your taking all this time, Tom. I really do. Oh, uh, well, I, I mean, I, I appreciate mean, you doing the same. Uh, I, I look forward to uh, to our next conversation. Yeah. Well, it's yeah, it's been really good for me. I'll tell you, just having to delve into my past and bring up yeah, some yeah. things that I can remember. I hope, I hope you're getting, you know, as much out of it as I am. Well, I, I think I am, but... <laughs> I, I'm not sure I'll remember everything tomorrow. But <laughs> well, 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 hey, we'll have the recordings for you to listen That's to. That's true. That's true. Okay. So. Well, good okay. enough then, Tom. Will you take care and, right. and take care of Ashley, too? Yes, will do. <laughs> okay. And we'll see you soon. All right. Bye. Uh, bye-bye now.